0: In Houston, Texas, so I will say on the count of three, are you ready? And you're gonna let them know that we are ready. So one, two, three. Thanks for coming out. My name is Ryan. I do The Rule and Ryan Show on 104.1 KRBE every weekday morning. There was no way I was gonna miss this. I mean, I've been looking forward to this. I love The Mandalorian. This is just such an amazing show. And we have all these actors. What we're gonna try and do here, Now, some people had texted, they messaged, they emailed some questions. I'm gonna just stick to just a couple questions here. I do not wanna hog y'all's time, and you guys, I wanna get as many questions in as possible from everybody here. Does that sound fair? All right, so make it a good question, too. I mean, how many people here have seen every single episode? You've all seen it. Silly question, I know. How many people here actually have enjoyed this far more than the last three movies. It's amazing, isn't it? It's just such a wonderful show. And the actors that we have coming up on stage right now, I'm going to bring them up in really no particular order. I just got to check and see if our cast is ready. Give me one second. You ready? Okay. So I'm going to try not to fangirl out too much, because each one of these amazing stars, I'm a huge fan of, and all their work. First, I'd like to introduce you to somebody I grew up with watching the Rocky series. Amazing actor. Handles action, comedy, you name it. And I also remember him from such comedic roles as Arrested Development. But one of my favorites has got to be Happy Gilmore. Our very own Shucks. Please welcome Mr. Carl Weathers. Carl, Carl, I just mentioned that you were in Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. I got to give you a hand. Uh, (laughs) All right. Next many people watched Battlestar Galactica. I was, I had my first major TV crush with Katie, and then I remember watching Longmire, and my mom saying, why don't you find a girl that looks like that? And if any of you saw how that series ended, she ended up with a much older gentleman, so yes! Please welcome Katie Sackhoff. People grew up watching Mulan. I first started watching her on ER. My daughter loves, loves Mulan. And so many other credits, I really don't mean to shortchange any of you, but let's please bring up Migna. And of course, I love Breaking Bad. If you've ever listened to the show, I think Gus was my favorite character of all time on that show. And of course, he's on Better Call Saul. You know him from so many different shows, including, uh, let's see, what else is he on? The Godfather of Harlem. I love all the work that he's on. Please welcome Giancarlo Esposito. So, first of all, thank you all for being here. Uh, You've got a lot of fans out there. What I wanted to do, we took a few questions from social media, so I want to just get through a couple of these real quick, and then I want to get as many questions from the audience as possible, if that's okay. Okay, so, the first thing I'd like to ask all of you, uh, The Mandalorian has done something that the sequels could not do. They've really united Star Wars fans. People were kind of They some did and didn't like the last three movies, but everybody loves The Mandalorian. What is the magic behind this show? Any of you can take that one. Uh,
1: You know, I can start by saying that I think the magic behind Mandalorian is that they've really thrown back to the original mythology of of the Star Wars movies and taken it beyond that. Uh, I feel like they have encompassed um, the, the world building and the visionary epic that George Lucas really envisioned in the original films.
2: Um, for me, the magic is John Favreau and Dave Filoni. I'm not pissing ass
3: about it either. It's the truth. Carl, take it away. Katie, take it away. No, I just think that it's so rare to have a, a, any sort of show or movie that you can sit down and watch with your entire family, and there is something so beautiful about that with The Mandalorian. There's something for everyone in the family, and it's really special.
4: And finally, the creative team was amazing all the way around. Uh, For any of us who were there uh, from sort of the beginning of it, uh, to see the artwork and to get some idea of where they wanted to go with this. But finally,
0: (laughs) I I think the baby put it over the top. That's all I gotta say about that. Well, you talked about the creative team, but you were part of it. You directed an episode. What was your experience doing that? Several. You know, <laughs>
4: that's, that's a real huge compliment. But in truth, as a director in television, and that's a form of television, you know, you're really a guest that people invite into their home. Because that team is already there before you walk in the door. So what you go in and do is... Is try to not dirty things up and pick up your your, your napkin when you finish the meal and not uh, not burn anything or crash anything, so that when you walk away, nobody has the statement that my God, that guy was a terror. Let's never see him again. You know. So I I, I, I appreciate that compliment, but man, they were so together before I ever walked into the door.
0: Now, uh, this is for the ladies here. Mandalorian's done a fantastic job of showcasing females over the age of 30, very empowering. Uh, how does it feel for, for, for both of you? I mean, to be like, such powerful, powerful characters on such an amazing show.
2: Oh, I mean, it's so wonderful to have that opportunity. Um, you know, I, I've been fortunate to have had many opportunities to play strong female characters and it's it's always a a perk and a plus when those characters help to inspire or you know connect with the audience and empower the women and the men you know to respect the women And one of my favorite scenes were when we were a band of um, women uh, going in on a mission together. You know, Bo-Katan, played by Katie, yeah, the lovely, beautiful Katie. And, um, you know, we had Gina, and then uh, we had uh, Mercedes. It's, it, it, and it wasn't about women going in to do something. It was just about warriors and, you know, characters that had the skills going in and it was, one, it was one of my favorite scenes.
3: No, I agree. I, you know, when I was growing up, I say this all the time, that when I was a kid and watching film, I wanted to be Bruce Willis and save the Nakatomi building because there were so few female like, action stars and, and heroines to sort of like, look up to. You know, We had Linda Hamilton and Sigourney Weaver and Lucy Lawless, and, but we really didn't have a ton of them. And over the years, as I've been acting, there's just such an abundance of strong women now um, it, with representation. And, and these are just two of many that exist now, which is great.
4: Can, can I just, just add one thing? Because I, I always find this conversation so fascinating. I was there when they were shooting the Nakatomi building. Okay? The Nakatomi building wasn't complete yet, and it was on the back lot of what used to be 20th Century Fox, which is no more. But, that was one of the most remarkable things because helicopters and the vehicles and the cops and things blowing up in the middle of Beverly Hills. I don't think so, but there it was. So it's just amazing that you bring that up and you say, when I was a kid, I'm thinking, oh boy. That really ages me. Thank you so much, Katie, thank you.
0: You were there
2: when it was being built? Yes. Yes.
0: (laughs) Now, I've got to ask you, are we going to see your character in Season 3?
2: Well, you know,
1: I do hope so, and I do believe so, and if it's up to me, of course you will. Uh, (laughs) I I don't think we cannot see um, a quote-unquote villain like Moff Gideon. Somewhere in my brain, he's out to reunite and bring back this particular part um, of, of, of this universe, uh, to some kind of order, so uh, whether they want me back or not, I'm coming back. <laughs> That's good.
2: And then can I say that this job, not only because it was a dream job, but to be on set with these people, who I have been geeking and been a fan of for so many years. You don't know what a treat it was to not only get to work with Gus, you know? Starbuck. Like, it goes it just goes on and on. Your and, credits are so huge. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> but, but, you know, but then to find out that they were, they are, not were, that they're such amazing human beings, so um, I don't know why I started saying that, but it's it just, you got me all excited about you coming back.
1: Oh, well I'm thank you. Yeah. Well, I, to, I certainly get excited about working with all of you because the feeling on the set, it feels like such a family. Um, And I can remember years ago, the first time meeting Mr. Carl Weathers, uh, that I went, I cannot believe I'm in this gentleman's presence. And to be finally working together with you, Carl, is, is just an amazing, has been an amazing experience, both as an actor and as a director. Well, well, wait, wait, here's the
4: crazy part. Before we came out here, and this is God's truth, I was looking at the group out here who were doing the lightsaber work and all that stuff, And I said to Giancarlo, yeah, they were. i got to give them a hand. Yes, indeed. They were good. They were good. But I said to Giancarlo, just as I was watching, and I said, you know, I mean, we see the episodes, and we're involved in putting them together, and then you see them when they're broadcast, and then all of a sudden, it doesn't have the same magic. And then you watch these people come out here and do what they did, it got my juices flowing. It really did, because they looked so good, and they were so committed, and it just takes you back to the first time you were on stage, or wherever you were when you were doing that stuff. So, I mean, I applaud them, I applaud the, the group that put this together, it's just wonderful.
0: That is awesome. I wanted to ask all of you what it was like, because that whole Mark Hamill showing up at the end, was the jaw-drop moment of the century for Star Wars fans. So... A, it had to be hard to keep that under wraps, but B, what was it like? Can any of you explain what it was like filming? Because was he actually on the set filming, or did he have a, dub- a body double and they CGI'd his face in?
1: Yeah, okay, so uh, I think it was a, a combination of all of the above, and, uh, it, and blended so beautifully together in terms of the technology they used to do that. And It looked so original and truthful and honest that uh, in seeing it. That was a moment for me where my mouth Dropped because if you are a Star Wars fan It just takes you back to the first time you ever saw him. So I think it was beautifully beautifully done I wasn't on the set when that particular piece was being shot So I was able to be a fan and an audience member when I saw it to just go. Oh my goodness
3: How did they do that? Well, it's one of the beautiful things about this show is that, you know, so little in life these days are we actually surprised anymore, you know, with social media and that instant connectivity with each other and with what's going on on set, you're very rarely surprised when you see something anymore. This was the best kept secret of season one. That was the best kept secret of season two. And in order to do that, nobody can know it's happening. And so this is one of those moments where it was like, you know... We weren't
1: there that day you know it was and it was beautifully done and you know to keep secrets it's it's exactly that you can't tell anyone so uh, i know uh, i've signed a lot of autographs and talked to a lot of wonderful fans um and people who respect the show and love it and there there truly are no fans like mandalorian star wars fans give yourselves a hand the big question is, Ben, do you have any spoilers or did you know or do you know? And we don't. <laughs> so there's nothing you can... Uh,
2: okay, well, I'll, I'll tell well, one quick one. Something. All right, I'll give you... A, when R2-D2 was incognito, they painted R2-D2 with green stripes on his body instead of the blue stripes. And I'm like, I turned to John and Dave, I'm like, oh, R2-D2. And they're like, where? And I'm like, you're kidding me, right? Come on, guys. And, and that's, that's Luke Skywalker, you know, with the glove. And, so, but they, they didn't want to give anything away. So, um, but Mark was there to coach and help out and, you know, all the movements, all the, like, nuances of Luke Skywalker. Um, he you know
4: he was there to facilitate and help out tonight just on the end of that whole thing you know the experience of a couple of years of that was so amazing because both John and Dave know that material as well as anybody could know it aside maybe from Lucas himself right but neither of them ever gave anything away easily i mean it was all held so close to the best and if you mentioned some or in my case anyway i'd mention something a couple times and they'd look like they were thinking about it yeah that's not a bad idea and then walk away you might see it you might not but it wasn't like they let you know up front that oh guess what we've got this nice little nugget that's going to be out there that's just not who they are they just love doing the work i think
0: as actors. Do any of you have any input into your characters?
4: As soon as I open my mouth on stage, I have input, of course. <laughs> Hell no input on your characters. No. I mean, you know, you, with any director or creator, you discuss, you have ideas, you throw them out. If they work, they work. If they don't, they politely say, That was a nice idea. Next. <laughs> you know, and you're just left there with your mouth hanging open.
2: But <laughs> no, they are I mean, very collaborative. They were pretty generous. Don't you, they, they, they're very collaborative. Yeah. No, they they want different. the input, they want you to, you know, fill those moments and beats that sometimes maybe they're, you know, they become surprised with a moment or a thought or a change in a gesture, whatever. But they're very, very collaborative. I
1: mean, it, it becomes a, 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 for me, I, I realized I was so inspired by David and John um, uh, that and I've worked with John before, so I know he's very specific in how he directs and how he writes. Now he wrote most of the episodes. And I kept trying to pull out of Dave, you know, more information because I, I haven't been a Star Wars geek in many years. so I'm trying to get information out of him. and they, he just give me that little, you know um, very, very energetic smile with those bright tingling eyes and not give me any information. So I went back and looked at Peter Cushing, and I thought his performance was really great, but that's not the Moth Gideon I'd like to play or the Moth I'd like to be. And then I'm on uh, doing a fight scene on the deck, and we were all there that day where we were trying to figure out uh, why Cara Dune would, um, wouldn't just shoot me with her blaster as opposed to just hitting me with the end of the butt, butt handling me. And, uh, and so we're all standing around trying to figure it out. And John had to be somewhere else and was thinking about it. And he, he looked at me and he said, and this is the wonderful thing about being inspired and having a collaboration. When you are working as an actor with a director and a writer and a crew. He said, so you'll figure it out. You'll, you'll figure it out. That's why we hired you. <laughs> and I went, oh. Wow, that's a big responsibility. You'll come up with it, it's gonna feel right, and you just go ahead and do it. I trust you. And uh, and we figured out a way to make have that moment really work, but it was empowering, because it allowed me to feel not empowering to my ego, but empowering to the reality and the organic truth of the situation. And uh, you know, I, I think the way it ended up was, I said, look, just hit me with the butt of the gun, grazed by my face, and I'll fall straight backwards. And, and everyone went, you can do that? I went, of course. Uh, and, and they, they went, went, well, let's go get a pad. I said, just do it without a pad or anything.
2: Sure, you did that?
1: And it. I just you went, bam. And they went, oh, I guess you can do it. Okay. So uh, it's always great when you have, when you're trusted to be, if you're able to be in that truth of the moment that they have already distinguished as being what they want, um, they always appreciate that.
0: What was uh, each one of you, your favorite scene to shoot so far in Mandalorian?
2: That that one takes the cake, and 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 credit to Peyton Peyton Reed who directed it, because it, there was so much that was involved, so many characters all in a room, the tension, the the build up, that big surprise, and um, and boy, he delivered.
3: You know, he really Peyton's did. Peyton's a
1: very talented very director, talented. And very patient. He listens. But I'd say for me that was probably the most complicated scene. It
3: was so complicated. It was so complicated. Because do you remember there was at one point where Bo gets shot, and I kept thinking, she's she's a warrior. Like, how does she not see the gun on the ground? Like this is, you know, and I remember we I was like, you guys, I don't think that she would get shot. Like this she'd have to not see this gun. And so Giancarlo and I we ended up I was
1: dying to shoot you too.
3: But you you managed to hide the gun with the, the cape. cape. So use, then, use of the cape. It helped me because then I was like, okay, maybe it's viable now that she wouldn't actually, you know, see this. But I remember that day. It was just crazy. I mean, at one point, I tripped over a stormtrooper. I flew like ten feet. I landed on my breast armor, and I was like, it works. <laughs> I'm fine. I that I was watching, like flew across the room, and they were like, "Cut! Cut!" Oh my God, are you okay? And I was like, "No, I'm." I mean, it were I'm on. This is amazing. <laughs> I now I now know why it exists. <laughs> this is fantastic.
4: You know how many times, and it's funny because you know, Carlo, we've all mentioned it one way or another, but when we were doing the big scene out in front of the bar, and you flew in, and it's like a billion of the troopers all dressed and everything, and we got. We got so much weapon power going off. And every scene where you had those troopers running in, if there were a thousand of them in the scene, nine hundred and ninety of them were wiped out. Where did they keep coming from? That's an army. And here's the crazy thing. You just (laughs) accepted. You just accepted. So in answer to the whole thing, there is no riddle, guess what? People accept this world, so do what you do, be creative in it, you know? We
3: also accept that they're like so easy to kill. Yes,
1: yes,
4: yes, they are.
1: No, it's a wonderful thing, that day, standing out there, I was thinking to myself, well, I've got a hell of a lot of backup, but I'm out here in the open, and these guys are in a bunker exactly. little slit. Exactly. I'm like, but but it helped empower me to go, it's sort of that moment in Breaking Bad, when just Gustavo's like, he walks out, Yeah, yeah. You can't, you know. You won't, because equally, as much as you have something I want, I may have something you you want. Exactly. So it works. It really works. But the reality of things, and and I'm so glad you brought up that scene because I we didn't know each other, and I looked, I said, is she being difficult? (laughs) Look, the gun is there. Don't see the gun. Let me shoot you. But you know, the scene worked better because it's very much like what is really reality. And when you brought that up, I thought it was so very important. And I was trying to help figure it out so that the whole story would actually work. So as much as we think everything can be figured out, there are some things physically that just don't work in the moment. And they worked better because we fixed them in the right way. That's amazing. So
0: how much is Pedro actually on the set?
1: He's there all the time.
0: He's, he's never there. He's there all the time. I never met the he's, guy. He's, he's who he's is he? There. Pedro who? We Pedro who? <laughs> Pedro? He was obviously there in the final episode, was that the first... That was his day? debut! <laughs> the day we met him! The day you met him? No, he was there.
3: He
4: was He's, there. In fact, you know, there were times, honestly, when... You, you just know, as an actor, a guy wants to do this work, you know? But the other side of it is, if you've got two or three stuntmen who are so damn good at what they do, and you've got this guy, who is the face, basically, you don't want to mess that face up man you don't want this guy hobbling around you know so at times I know he was just frustrated like there's no tomorrow but what are you gonna do
3: well that's part of it too right I mean like someone asked me today what it's like to be on wires as bo and I'm like it wasn't me that's my stunt double like number one they have to keep the actors safe but number two we want this to be as as good as possible for you guys as an audience like I'm not gonna pretend like I have the experience to fight as good as Caitlin, my stunt double who's like got sword fighting training and all this crazy stuff I'm gonna let her do it because she makes Bo-Katan look better for you guys you know and it's the same with Mando it's like you know you got Latif in there you got Brennan in there you got every guy has a a perfect skill set to make Mando what it's supposed to be for you guys so it's the best it can be you know except for me I, know you I must say,
1: you? every swing of my sword was me. I did it all. Me. No,
3: I, I know you guys. I'm are only so
1: saying good. that. I'm very proud of it because you know fighting with a guy like Latif was a challenge, yeah. and the only way this happened was, and the sweet young man who was my stunt double, came out, he was 20 years younger, his shoulders were like this, he was 15 pounds skinnier, and I looked at him and I went, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in trouble, but I like being in trouble, it was before my back surgery, so it was okay, (laughs) and I'm still okay, but I said to myself, you're going to have to do this, you're going to have to do all of it because you you feel it and again it plays within the truth and reality of it so latif crowder who's absolutely amazing and i he's
2: also emmy nominated yes he is Woo! along Lateef. along with these two gentlemen mm-hmm. and the whole cast from mandalorian We're yes awesome. indeed yes,
1: it's really really That's fantastic yes. so i, I had the opportunity because you know it's different for a 30 year old man uh, his physicality is different than a 60 year old man's physicality, and it's going to be different movement. And so, I was really blessed to be able to be in that position because it empowered me to step up. Because every swing of that saber played into my acting, and it was age specific. I wasn't making those moves, with jumping over somersaults in the air like Latif could do. I was making the moves as if I was.
0: That goes back back to the original Star Wars. Look at Alec Guinness, that original lightsaber fight. There wasn't all the choreography, there wasn't the leaping around doing flips and all that. And
2: how many darksabers did you break?
1: I think we were at six by the time I... Yes, and the props
2: guys are sweating because they're like, we're running out, we're running out, because he got so into that fight scene. It was, it's amazing I really did he, um, yes. they came
1: to me and said we just want you to know uh, we have one left <laughs> could you could you please be careful uh, and then one other quick story about Latif because uh, Latif and I were going at it and Ryan was our stunt supervisor and uh, he was sweating underneath that helmet he had a little strip right and I went I can get this guy and this, this is this is Moth Gideon I can get him because he can't really see me. <laughs> I can get in his blind spot and hit him. Now, when you're doing stunts, you're looking in, in each other's eyes first before you make any move to check in for, for safety. So after about three takes, Latif takes his helmet off and he goes to Ryan. He said, this guy's trying to kill me. <laughs> I said, yeah, you're darn right. I'm trying to kill you. That's my job. <laughs>
0: Now, M- 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 now, you're going to be in the Book of Boba Fett coming out.
1: So, oh, yes, are yes. we going to see any of
0: these characters cross over into that show?
2: So, anyway, I'm going to be in the Book of Boba Fett, <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say.
0: <laughs> would you guys be? I able- want to keep
2: my job, people.
0: Okay. Would you be open to let- you want to take some questions from your fans here? Sure. All right. Where are we at? Okay, step up to that mic right over there, if you guys... Ready for fan questions. Oh, by the way, real quick, are we going to visit Mandalore next season? Anybody know anything about that?
2: Uh, (laughs) Did you ask a question?
0: Oh, yeah, okay, I could see. Hey, I had had to try, see if I could trip anybody. Okay, so... Go ahead, fire away. What's your question? First of all, what's your name and what's your question? Uh, my name is Robert. I have a question for Carl Weathers. So, question is about Predator. What was the... <laughs> what was the uh, production like? I heard it was pretty bad. No. He wants you to trash talk the production of Predator. No, no, no. no, no, no. I, heard, I heard it was like terrible you didn't know what was going to happen at the end of it.
4: Robert, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know what that reminds me of? What you talking about, Robert?
2: Predator is a classic. Stop. Um...
4: um, Here's the deal. Here's the truth of all that. It's not that nobody knew anything. Just those of us who were in front of the camera didn't know anything. Because they... They hadn't actually found... (laughs) They hadn't found the Predator, number one. Try to be brief here. Uh, they had an actor who became very, very, very famous who came in and he was a uh, kickboxing champion and all that sort of stuff. And it was, of course, the man from Brussels, the muscles from Brussels. And that didn't quite work out after about two and a half weeks. And so it was adios. And we were all working. Back to like uh, the old days of there's a dot on the blue screen or a dot in the tree and that's the predator. Yeah, it was back to that, right? We're talking '86. That's a million years ago. So we're doing all that stuff. We wrap, and lo and behold, months later, I hear that they finished the movie, but nobody knows how they finished the movie or with whom. And we finally see it. And we're blown away because all of that stuff with Arnold at the end and the jungles and all that were shot down on the border between Mexico and um, uh, where's Palenque in uh, Guatemala? Uh, uh, one of those, one of those much smaller countries.
3: Guatemala, and
4: that's how that whole thing was finished. But, you know, sometimes, man, it takes a lot of writing and rewriting and re-re-rewriting to come up with what you're going to have, and guess what? God was looking down on us because it turned out great. So, that's the story. So, like, okay, who's remember, up there?
2: Remember the dots and the do- and now we have the volume. Like, what a treat, yeah. right? To be able to work in a space where you're actually in things that you see for real. I mean, it helps.
0: What is yeah, it that like when so all much. of you work... Uh, because you have new technology on Mandalorian. It's been... Now I believe Star Trek is using it as well. The, that, the wall, the VFX wall... What is that like? What does that feel like? I mean, does it feel like you're really there on set, or I mean, like really in the moment?
1: It gives you a sense of place, um, as opposed to being just—I I did Cotton Club years ago, and like you're a green just, screen. Have you're in a green screen with nothing projected on it, so they can put everything behind you or around you. Being in the volume, you can create the picture the picture and the world moves in all, the sky moves in all these different directions, so you can feel like you're actually in the ship moving, so that your eyes then, your experience, it becomes experiential, it's real. So then what the audience is seeing through your eyes is what's really happening, even though it's not there. So, you know, for example, when I was on the top of my tie Fighter, I had to climb up a scaffold, climb up a ladder, and then be on the Tide Fighter. So I'm like 35, 40 feet in the air, and to look out into nothing would have been really weird. But with the volume, I'm looking out into the sky, seeing a ship go away, seeing the, the smoke from, my, from where I crashed and eventually ended up. It makes it much more realistic and active and alive.
3: I got seasick standing on the top of the Razorcrest when we had to stand up there and we're like plotting how we're going to get on the Gazanta freighter. And I'm up there and all of a sudden they were like, I was like, oh, this is why we're strapped in. Because we had like safety cords on, and I was like, "We're only there's mats everywhere." I was like, "Oh my god! I gotta! I have to hold on to something. This is crazy!" And it was just the water moving on the the volume.
0: It just that's it looks so amazing yeah. to watch it. I mean, just the way it's filmed, it's there's so. sense amazing. around it's experience. Amazing. It's, amazing. it's amazing. All right. So, hi. What's your name? And what is your question? My name is. Didn't quite catch that. Can you speak up just a little bit? I I got it. You don't have to ask him to repeat
4: it. Who am I going to repeat it with? Oh, wow. You're such a great volunteer.
0: Come on over here. Carl, give him this. Carl, let him take this home. Here you go. You can have Shub's hand. Okay. Hi, right, what's your name, and what's your question? Um, my name is Lucas, and my question was for all the cast, and I wanted to ask, what were kind of the struggles and maybe the research you had to go through to learn to adapt characters like Bo-Katan for Katie and to be bounty hunters and to be like an Imperial agent, how did you have to research other parts of Star Wars and
3: put your own spin on it? So I honestly thought going in that I, had, I was at an advantage because I had all this backstory that I had already you know, participated in. And so I didn't do a lot of the backstory that I would normally do as an actor because I'd already played her for 10 years. I knew how she talked. I knew visually what she looked like. You know what I mean? And I got there on the day and the first time I put my suit on and stepped out on set and I looked at Dave and John and went, I I don't know how she walks. I don't know how she moves. I've never actually moved as her before. Like when I dream as her, she looks animated. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And thank God that it was Bryce Dallas Howard directing and, and, and she was so sensitive and like kind to the fact that I was so insecure that I hadn't done my homework that we sat there and in the scene with Baby, and John was there, and he just kept spitting things out at me. Try it this way this time. Try it this way this time. We must have done, like, 30 takes to find who she was and how she moved, because Katie moves a lot. And bo is very still. And the hardest thing for me to do was not move my face. Because I move a lot. It's a fault of mine. Um, and so it was really hard. Um, but anyway. We, we did find her, and, and it was amazing,
1: and thank God we did. So. Yeah. For, for the- me, um, you know, uh, I kept trying to get information that wasn't being given, so I went back and did some research on other mops, um, not to be, in a way, copying their attitudes, but to find out um, and feel what their connection to the story was. And so after doing that, one that I really admired was of course Peter Cushing, Um, but I felt he was very intellectual, very erudite, very graceful, uh, but didn't have the force that I wanted to imbibe in Moff Gideon. So I went back and said, what did you really like about the original films? What characters did you like? Doesn't matter who they were. And I I connected to those, and I I really loved Darth Vader. And I started to say, why don't you make this completely your own, and figure out the cross-section of character that this man is. Um, And and that's what I did, and I committed to it. Um, Not knowing whether it was right or wrong, but bringing that in with that kind of commitment and attitude uh, really helped me. Uh, Because I wanted to be a guy who could not only um, uh, delegate authority, but could fly a Tie Fighter, that could use a Darksaber, that had all of these talents because he knows everything about everyone and everything and we don't know how. And I thought that mystery was intriguing to me and that's how I progressed forward.
2: Definitely. Well, for me, it was easy. Fennec had a great name for Fennec the Fox. So that was my first initial inspiration And then when I put on her costume, which had already been designed and created, it just was very easy to kind of figure out what the bounty hunter and a fox would do, being very stealth, and that's what created the whole hairdo. It created, you know, me me and Maria, um, we worked on designing the hairdo to sort of mimic the fox's tail, the fox's ears, and uh and just went from there um you know it, it became very organic uh in creating her because i'm, I'm the antithesis of who she is so because <laughs> um, you know i'm 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 not very scary or <laughs>
4: <laughs> i beg to differ <laughs> beg, uh, you, you know what's really fascinating about this what you don't know Is what I find fascinating about it is we don't we we don't I I don't get a chance to sit and listen to a lot of other actors talk about whatever the process is and how they come to what they come to but what's brilliant about this for me is it began talking about empowering women and you mentioned the idea of the woman director that we had who was phenomenal, right, who is also a fine actress in her own right and comes from a family of actors, but without someone like Favreau giving her the shot in The Mandalorian, there's a good chance we would never have had her involved in this project, and if you go through the list of all the people in production and the number of women in production, you would be blown away it's so many more than what's usually there. So, yeah, you, you need to get yeah, Deborah Chow, a wonderful director. It goes on and on, it goes on, on and on. Our, our first AD, yeah. Kim Richards.
2: Yes, yes. yes.
4: So, so, what you find, and I, I can tell you this as an actor of color, who's been at this for nearly 50 years now as a professional. One, one and a half more years will be 50, right? Amazing. Thank you, thank you. But the reason I bring it up is because when I walk onto a set now, or when I walk into a professional setting, and there are all these people there, one of the first things I notice or don't notice is how many people of color, and not just black folks, there are Indians, there are Asians, there are people from South America, There are people from Africa. There are all kinds of people around the world who are more than qualified, who are exceptionally talented. And the question is, where the hell are they? Why aren't they on the set? You know, I mean, it's a really serious question. And it only begs one thing ultimately. Look at how much talent is being wasted. We are the beneficiaries of that talent. Why are we so damn stupid? We should be working our butts off to get more and more and more of them in the process. Because look at the product that's coming out as a result. It's just better and better. It's richer and richer. You're so much more informed. So, you know, if you really want to do something, I appreciate the applause. A card costs almost nothing. The stamp costs more than the card does. But just send it to these studios and say, hey, you know on my favorite movie, how many people of color were on it? How many women were on it? Because let's do something about it if they're not there.
1: But anyway, that's and, my. And opinion. we should also, you know, I, I, you know, we should also be thankful to the production that we are in yes. that has incorporated, yes, um, you know, this colorblind um, uh, attitude, uh, because Favreau has really been the one to forward that. And we walk right. onto our set, we we get a world view. And that world view incorporates all of you yes. and all of us. Yes. Hopefully more people will
0: follow y'all's lead. Yes. And, and yes. it will open up some eyes. I'd like to try and get one more question And Hi, what's your name? Next person.
4: Oh, sorry guys. We just went on and on and on here and you're sitting on the floor. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: sorry. Hi, what's your name or what's your question? Yeah,
0: we can't hear you very well. Is this Come over here. Come here. Come, oh. here. Come here. Come here. Come here. No. That's... Grab my mic. Oh no. Oh, that no. was so much fun. No. All right.
3: Hi, my name is Lauren, and I was just curious what your favorite moment or time was on the Mandalorian set. Uh, I can tell
1: mine. Uh, mine. I mean, I, I really had to pitch myself because I felt like I'd really arrived. I've been acting for a long, long time. Uh, but to act with technology and incorporate that seamlessly into my performance was a challenge. But to be able to enter this world, I, I went. I've arrived on a different level, um, in a different capacity. My favorite moment was really being on top of that tie fighter, and you know, coming out of the tie fighter, climbing to the top of it to look for who shot me down. That to me was an iconic moment that I that I will live in my heart for the rest of my life. So I'm up there reveling in my moment, and Taika Huck, he is down directing, and he, he, he asked me to come down for a minute. And so I climb all the way down, and he says, can I see that? And I give him the lightsaber, and he's holding it, and he's holding the saber in his hand, and he's like moving his feet around, right? And and I went, Taika, what are you doing? he said, well, I just want to make sure you, you look powerful. I said, well, I feel pretty powerful up there. Well, is it left foot forward or right foot forward? Are they both even or what? And I'm like, if they're looking at my feet, they ain't looking at my face, baby. But that was one of my favorite moments ever because it was such a wonderful thing to see a director incorporate obviously my acting was uh, was perfect, he was wondering whether my physicality was perfect or not and I got it, it's a huge wide shot it meant everything to have that strong stance, so I went back up on the top of the fighter, and I took a couple, I, I, I just mimicked him and I started to play around and I could hear this laughter behind the monitor and I, right, because I was playing around I said should I tap dance now maybe do a little time step, you know But <laughs> and it cracked him up a great deal, but when I saw it I knew what he meant. It was the outline of of me. It was the physicality of that strong stance. So much of of, of what we do as actors is partly remembering the lines and imbibing the character, but the other part, acting is physical. And so after I did my fight scene with Latif, I realized that's everything. The guy is empowered, but empowered, but his physicality allows us to know that he can do anything. And so that was one of my favorite moments ever.
2: And Now that's become my favorite moment ever. <laughs> this is so For me, it was the first time I was in the volume, and it was dark. I didn't know what the volume was. And I just said, "Wow, this is like high school, you know, black box theater. It was like a, a rock. A piece of rocks of sand and that was it and then when they turned on that volume and it was the binary Sun setting I freaked out because that was my favorite moment in Star Wars Luke Skywalker looking at the binary sunset thinking about his life if he will ever fulfill his dreams and I immediately told our first AD Kim Kim I don't care what the rules are I need a picture of this I need a picture of me with one knee up, looking at the binary sunset, as Fennec, because that was my favorite moment in the world and my dream had come true. I was on Tatooine.
0: How about you, Katie? Um,
3: so, <clears throat> my dad gave me my love of film. My dad gave me my love of science fiction. One of the first movies my dad let me watch was Predator. And then he looked at me when I was six.
4: One of the first movies your dad let you watch was Predator? Yes. What are
3: you, 16? Come on! Jeez! And I remember him looking at me and going, Don't tell your mother. (laughs) But my dad gave me that. And one of the the films that we loved watching over and over and over again was the original Star Wars. And so I went to set. You know, as a guest star on someone else's show, you don't want to make waves, right? And there's no one on set, no cameras on set, no nothing. And I went to them and I said, you guys, can I bring my dad to set? (laughs) Like, please let me bring my dad to set. And they not only approved my dad, but they approved my fiancé and they both came to set, and my dad came on the bridge when we were doing the scenes at the very end, and like the look on, I'm gonna cry, the look on my dad's face was so excited, because he was like, I think that for the first time he looked at me and my career and went, oh my God, like, and he could see the child in me, and it was such a beautiful moment for me with my dad, that I was just like forever, I will forever see my dad's face when he was sitting and pretending like he was like playing with the computers it was amazing, amazing. And like, to be able to give that to my dad was like one of the coolest things in my entire life. Love, was
2: wonderful. Wow. wow.
4: I mean, there's another example of listening to other actors talk about their experience and I think I had some pretty great experiences on these different sets, but they're usually tied to watching other people do what they do. You know, Giancarlo talking about the whole deal out there and coming up and standing on top of the TIE fighter and all that, and it's just this monster of a man who comes out and does that, you know? And Ming, I saw home with the lightsaber doing her thing, and I'm thinking, holy shit, this is gonna be badass you know and for me there was there was so many moments that after all the years of doing this thing telling these lies in front of the camera and getting people to believe them I mean really you know that's what we do we lie for a living but the crazy thing is when you're standing there and you're doing something and you yourself no, it's a lie and you don't want to break the illusion because there's so much going on and you're nervous as hell and you don't really know the lines as well as you'd like to and the other people are fumbling and falling over and not hitting the marks and this and that and still there's something about it that is so exciting that's so invigorating and so scary real at the same time that all you can do is smile inside and, and hope they don't catch the lie, <laughs> you know? Because it's it's for you so obvious. So obvious. And like the thing with Taika, right in the feet, that's so Taika. That is so him. If anybody doesn't know who he is, go look him up. Because he is really a brilliant filmmaker. But And actor, of course, but you know, when you have examples like that, eh, everything else is
0: second best. I mean, it really is. I just wanted to, I know we're going over, but I just wanted to let you know, first of all, every one of you in different performances just taken me away and taken so many people away. Y'all, do you realize that you provide escapism for people, that you've changed people's lives? Some people are having the worst day of their life and they're watching you on screen, and you're captivating them. And you've taken them away from that for a few moments. Have any of you had that brought to your attention where you met like maybe a fan or somebody where you made a real impact in their life?
1: Yeah, I met a gentleman today who came to me and said he was at a Comic-Con I was at, and um, I spoke about uh, being empowered, and I spoke about the hard times, some of the hard times I had in my life, and how that, made me stronger, and allowed me to, to dream the big dream that I dream. He came through my line a little while ago, and he said he was having a really, I didn't know it then, a really rough time in his life and in those moments, and that advice really helped him through the most difficult year of his life. Um, and that's very personal, and I hope I'm not outing him or myself by saying this. I, I think what we do is a dream come true. And what you as fans need to know is that we're very much like you. We pursue a dream that we've always dreamed, to do something real for a purpose, whether it be true or not. We try to find the truthful and organic uh, moment uh, and and relevance in those moments. But for me, I'm a big kid. And for me to do and have the ability to affect so many people through the characters I play without having to to bring my own personal Rhetoric to it allows me to realize that I chose the right choice. I Love what I do. I'm committed to it each time I get out there. I'm nervous. I'm shy. I'm frightened I don't know my lines as well as I thought I wanted to I'm rocked by the fact that I can't control the scene Because we're other actors are involved and I have to listen and pay attention and react and act in the moment of that truth I am in heaven to know that anything that I would do on screen would bring value whether it be escapist value escapism or whether it be a dream come true for someone to follow what I do because they love it is a beautiful gift so no matter what you do in your life if you choose Your attitude each day properly as what's coming from you, and you don't lie when someone says how are you, Armin Mueller-Stahl, a great actor, 91 years old right now, I did Night on Earth with him, I came into a scene one day and he said how are you, and I said fine, because we as actors have to lie, we have to be fine, we've got to be on point every moment, but that's all about our lives as well. So for you all in the audience to be here and to be moved by what any of us do on screen and to be inspired and to realize that you have a choice in your life. Each and every moment, each and every day. And when you choose that positive attitude and you choose to change your life, change is a frightening thing, but change is the best thing that can happen to any of us. We just chose what was rightfully our birthright, which moved us to a point that we knew we were in the right place at the right time. And that can be for all of you as well. I'm still a big, huge kid who loves Star Wars, who loves every moment that I live and breathe as an actor because it is inspiring to me to be in that place of wonder and expectation. Fantastic. That's a tough act to follow. Who wins
0: with David next?
2: John Burroughs. God, I can listen to you all day. Kinda. <laughs> um, it's about hope. You know, Star Wars is about hope. It's about believing in your dreams, and that's why we're all such fans of this um, epic, epic storytelling. And um, it's and it's a perk as an actor when something like that happens. Because we've been on the other side, you know, where we've been inspired by other actors and by other stories. And Star Wars definitely has inspired, um, you know. I mean, I still pray to God, Buddha, and the Force, you know, every time I get on a plane. So um, it is, you know, it's, if, if, it, if it's happening to us up here, it can happen to any of you down there. It's about hope, it's about believing in hope.
0: Anybody have anything else to add? Are we good?
1: We're good, we love you, thank you for coming out in droves. We really appreciate you. Let's have a huge round of applause for our Mandalorian
0: cast. Carlo, Mignog, Katie, and Carl, thank you so much for what you do.